0: Welcome to the MarTech
1: Podcast, I'm your host Benjamin Shapiro and today we're going to discuss the importance of planning, content marketing and demand generation for content. Joining us is Kyle Denhoff who is the Senior Manager of Marketing Strategy and Ops at HubSpot which helps millions of organizations grow better. Over 128,000 customers in more than 120 countries use HubSpot software services and support to transform the way they attract, engage, and delight customers. And in addition to providing us with our guest today, HubSpot is also the primary sponsor of the MarTech podcast. Yesterday, Kyle and I talked about why you should consider building a media arm in a software company. And today, we're going to continue the conversation talking about how you can use owned content to drive demand. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Kyle Denhoff, the Senior Manager of Marketing Strategy and Ops at HubSpot. Kyle, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Yeah, excited to be back.
1: Excited to have you back on the show and continue our conversation You know, you're a man of many talents. Turns out, not only are you a talented marketer, you work in ops, you were a professional lacrosse player. So is there anything that you can't do?
2: (laughs) There are many things I can't do. Many, many things. But lacrosse was a fun time and a sport that I love and still coach and still involved in. But yeah, nice little side gig in addition to marketing.
1: You know, the reason why I bring up your many talents, you not only work in marketing, But you're also in operations. And often those two things are overlapping for us marketers. But some of the times the roles and responsibilities and and the mindset is very different. And with today's topic where we're talking about not only creating the content, but actually driving business results, using own content to drive demand, it feels like you have to use both sides of your brain. And maybe you get out the lacrosse stick if people aren't listening to you closely enough. Sure. So talk to me a little bit about the strategy for not only building the content, figuring out what you're creating, but how do you drive business results and demand with it?
2: I think I mentioned it a little bit in our first conversation, but we just go through a framework and it's, what is the objective? That's the first question we ask ourselves for any program. And the objective is going to inform the rest of the work. And so for our HubSpot media programs, there's generally two objectives, grow the reach and influence of HubSpot or drive demand and acquisition for the business. And some of our channels do both. The blog is an example of a channel that does both. So if you go to the HubSpot blog, we have a team that is focused on growing traffic, bringing in new audiences to that blog. And we have folks that are focused on how do we convert that traffic into content leads for HubSpot. And you'll see that on the blog when you go to the bottom of the article, you have an additional template where you can fill out that form and ultimately get an added value from HubSpot. So each one of our teams, they generally map their program playbooks to those objectives and goals. So for the blog, organic traffic, and content leads. Those are our two KPIs. And our editors, writers, conversion rate marketers work together to try and hit those two KPIs. So I think it just all comes back to that first question. What's the objective?
1: All right, so I wanna focus on the second piece of the puzzle here. We're not just gonna focus on reach and awareness. It's not just about eyeballs and ear holes with our content. But actually getting people to get into the sales funnel, hopefully buy something, show up as attributable revenue. You mentioned on the blog that's relatively, I don't know if I'd call it easy, but the playbook is, hey, we're putting a call to action below the blog post, which is fill out this form for some sort of an offer. I don't know whether it's a demo, maybe it's a white paper, some sort of a content download. Talk me through what you're offering as the call to action at the end of a written piece of content.
2: Yeah, for the written pieces, that's exactly right. I think we experiment with all different types of additional resources for our audiences. And the audiences do convert on different types of resources and different topics. Marketers tend to love reports and statistics, and they're going to download a ebook or a guide or a report with original research in it, where sales folks tend to like quick hits and templates and things that are going to help them do their job faster, and ultimately close more deals. So depending on the blog property that we have and the audience that's consuming that content, we'll develop different types of content as that convertible or downloadable offer for them. So it does vary. A lot of times the most successful ones are original research and templates.
1: All right. Talk to me about some of the ways where you're not necessarily just jumping to the end of the line. Hey, you read a blog post. Want to be our customer and pay us tens of thousands of dollars? What are different ways that you're walking people down through, let's call them micro engagements, getting them farther down the funnel without actually asking them to get them to the end of the funnel?
2: We have a saying at HubSpot, which is offer value before you extract value. And so at the end of the day, all of our marketing teams are focused on just providing additional value. That may be in the form of education, that may be in the form of research, stories, news. Once someone comes into the site, they convert on an offer and now they're part of our marketing funnel. We'll follow up with them with additional resources. We're not necessarily bringing them our marketing hub, our sales hub, demos, talk to sales. They're not in the market to buy our products yet. If they visit our products and pricing pages, sure, we may have a little shorter follow up where we're trying to introduce them to a demo or talk to sales. But for folks that are coming through your owned media and your content marketing plays, just continue to add value over time. Don't offer the products right away. And generally, we'll see like a 90 day sales cycle. So we're going to continue making offers and providing education over the next three to four months before we even introduce the topic of sales.
1: As your first piece of content, the goal of it is to provide value. The second piece of content is to continue to provide value, but also hopefully do some lead capture. Now you're able to find a reason to constantly stay in front of your lead as they get farther through the sales funnel, hopefully go down market into your product pages. And that's when you're starting to offer the webinar and then maybe sales conversations. The content marketing funnel is never linear, so I'm oversimplifying. How do you deal with the fact that people jump around where they are in their buying process?
2: It gets more complicated as you get larger, right? There's more contacts coming into the business and you need to be able to manage them. At HubSpot, we generally look at different milestones in the marketing and sales funnel. So there are new visitors coming to the site. Those visitors ultimately convert and become a lead. Then we have metrics where we're trying to look at, of those contacts that come in as a lead, did they take an action to become a qualified lead? So we actually have a step for them to qualify before sales even has an opportunity to reach out. Once they become a qualified lead, then they go into some additional communications before we try to set up a sales call or demo. So I think at the end of the day, you want to bring people into your funnel you want to continue adding value, and then you want to set up guardrails for contacts to move through your funnel and be thoughtful about that. When is really the right time to move someone from a lead to a qualified lead to talk to sales? I don't think you want to move them right away.
1: Now, it's easier to track this when you have a digital asset that you own. But you mentioned that HubSpot is doing multiple types of media, what I'd call new media, involved in podcasting, newsletters, YouTube videos. How do you think about understanding who is engaging with the content that is not on your owned properties and where does that fit into driving demand?
2: So we recognize our audiences are spending time on those other platforms, right? So we have marketers who are spending time on YouTube and we wanna meet them where they are. As they're consuming our content on YouTube, we're offering calls to action to bring them back to HubSpot's properties. We are offering them additional value. We're not saying, come check out our pricing page, come check out our software. We may offer them a research report or a template or an additional piece of content that's available on our site. We may cross promote that to another YouTube video or another podcast. Really what we're trying to do is leverage those other channels to increase the discoverability of HubSpot And then ultimately figure out how do we get our audiences from those platforms to come back to HubSpot.com. And so our teams are constantly experimenting with, should we have on YouTube, should we have intros, should we have baked in ads, should we have outros and end cards, what type of links should we provide in the description to offer more value to the viewer? For each one of those platforms, I think our team's just constantly testing and figuring out how do we get folks back. And I think whatever channel you decide to invest in and build, as a marketer, you want to map out what that user flow is. Like you mentioned, it's not necessarily linear, but where do we want folks to go as they continue to consume our content and come move towards our company?
1: I think it's really important to think about making the right hooks that are appropriate for the channel. In YouTube videos, you can embed links. Hey, we're talking about how to drive demand. Here's a link to the white paper about demand generation from content and it can pop up. You can use it as your end card, right? People expect that type of interaction within a YouTube video. Podcasting is totally different, right? There's nothing to click on. So then you have to describe what an offer or service is, and it can be a little hard to track. It's one of the things that... I think, separates us at the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything. The company that I'm building is leveraging data from podcasts to be able to retarget the listeners of a given episode with performance marketing ads to then be able to understand the value of a given piece of content. But the moral of the story is you have to understand not only what's appropriate for the channel, what data you can get, the analytics is always different. At the end of the day, when you think about using your own content to drive demand, how do you evaluate the ROI for this type of marketing activity as opposed to what you're doing, let's say, on the paid side?
2: When it comes to your owned media, most of our channels have two KPIs. One is a reach-based KPI and the other is a demand-based KPI. The overall objective of the channel we're investing in or the media asset we're investing in is to grow an audience. And that's really what that reach metric is on a blog that may be unique visitors to your blog, on a newsletter that's subscribers, on a podcast that may be unique downloads, but you wanna build an audience. The second KPI is demand-based. On our blog, a lot of times that may be a content lead or a software sign-up, and you can use that same KPI for other channels like YouTube. Podcast is a little unique. I think the medium itself, folks are consuming it differently than they do the other channels. So we're constantly trying to figure out what is that demand number. At the end of the day, we're leveraging podcasting as a reach platform. We want to get in front of more audiences and introduce them to HubSpot and our content and our software. But we are constantly experimenting with how do we actually get listeners to come over to HubSpot.com and interact with our business. One great experiment that I know we've run across our network is for our inbound event a very well-known industry event for marketers? How do we get people from podcasts over to an inbound landing page to enter a contest for tickets, to bring them and their marketing team to inbound for the upcoming year? So we are trying to figure out how do you monetize audiences across these different mediums? But it takes time, it takes time. You constantly have to experiment and then once you find what works, I think you double down on it.
1: Yeah, I think that understanding the Way that people want to interact with the medium by not only creating the content, but figuring out the right places to put your hooks to then drive traffic to understand how that traffic then converts into demand. That's really the secret sauce when you're talking about owned media. And that wraps up this episode of the Martech podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Kyle Denhoff, Senior Manager of Marketing Strategy and Ops at HubSpot. In the third part of this conversation, which we'll publish tomorrow, Kyle and I are going to talk a little bit about his quarterly and annual planning cycle and how that plays with his own media strategy. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Kyle, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Denhoff, D-E-N-H-O-F-F underscore. Or you can visit his company's website, which is HubSpot.com.